0: Alright, welcome back. Uh, looks like we're going to have a busy day today uh, with church and then the market in the park and trying to hold the tent down. So, should be lots of fun. But uh, it doesn't sound like, um, at least not yet, they haven't decided to not have the market. Uh, they've had a pe- few people cancel. They've rearranged a few things, but they're still encouraging everybody to be out there. So, uh, should be. Lots and lots of fun out there today. Um, This morning, we're going to be back in the book of Judges, looking at our lessons, uh, our Christianity 101, walking through the book of Judges and seeing uh, how Israel reacts to God and hopefully learning from their uh, successes and their mistakes. So we're going to be in Judges chapter 3 today. This is, I think, lesson number 7. We've made it all the way to chapter 3. Um, last week, we looked at uh, the Lord as our Heavenly Father and what He does at the end of chapter 2 in dealing with Israel as they've again walked away from Him and how He is correcting them. Uh, we're going to look today a little more at that and we're going to see why He's doing this and what the goal is for Israel as God has left uh, these nations. So, Judges chapter 3 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them. Even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan, only that the generation of the children of Israel might know to teach them war, at the least such as before knew nothing thereof. Namely, five lords of the Philistines, and all the Canaanites, and the Sidonians, and the Hivites, that dwelt in Mount Lebanon, from Mount baal Hermon unto the entering in of Hamath. And they were to prove Israel by them, to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. And the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Amorites, and Perizzites, and Hivites, and Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be their wives, and gave their daughters to their sons, and served their gods. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and forgat the Lord their God, and served Balaam and the groves. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan-Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Cushan-Rishathaim eight years. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer out of the, out of the children of Israel. Sorry, raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel, who delivered them, even Othniel the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel, and went out to war. And the Lord delivered Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed against Cushan Rishathaim, and the land had rest forty years. And Othniel the son of Kenaz died. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for this glorious day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather here to hear your truth. Lord, I pray that this truth would speak to our hearts. Lord, that we would see the mistakes of Israel and choose right now to not make those same mistakes in our own lives. Lord, that we would walk with you every day, all day. And we would serve you to the best of our abilities. So God, please, guide and direct We love you and we thank you. Please watch over us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we looked last week and saw that the Lord was going to leave these nations. He was going to leave them for a specific purpose. He was going to leave them to prove Israel. Now that word prove is simply to verify, to test. Uh, We have places in our country called Proving Grounds, mainly used by the military. They're a place where technology, equipment, vehicles, and even soldiers are tested to prove that they are capable of being used during wartime. I would hate to go out. uh, Well, Brother Jesse and I went out to the range the other day, and uh, we were doing a little bit of shooting, and uh, I was having some malfunctions with one of my firearms. Uh, I'm not confident in that firearm anymore. I need to do some work to it. Uh, These are the things that the military tries to avoid. They don't want to get into war and figure out that their tank is not going to fire or that there's some major flaw in it. So they run it through a battery of tests in the harshest conditions to make sure that it's going to function. The Lord here is going to use these nations to do the exact same thing to Israel. Now this doesn't mean that God doesn't already know what's going to happen. God knows their heart. He knows the beginning from the end. And He knows that whether they're going to fail or succeed. He knows that not long after this, they're going to completely walk away from God and they're going to have to be uh, sent into Babylon Babylon and they're going to have to then they're going to come back and they're going to have to go through all of this other stuff eventually to the point where they reject the Lord Jesus Christ and the offer of the kingdom is given to the Gentiles. He knows that it's going to take until 1947 before Israel is going to become a nation again, recognized by the whole world. And he knows that eventually down the road, there's going to come a point where seven years of tribulation are going to take place in order to continue and complete the teaching that he's trying to have for Israel. Please don't misunderstand. This is not because God does not know what Israel is going to do. This is because Israel does not know what they're going to do. This is God teaching Israel about themselves. Today for us, hopefully for us, this is the job of the law. This is why God gave Moses the law. It was to be our schoolmaster. It was to teach us our true nature and our own hearts so that we would know and understand our need for him. But God goes on to say, in verse number 2, the reason that he's leaving these nations is because he's going to teach Israel war. Israel, this generation of Israel, had not known the wars of Canaan. Joshua had come up and all through the book of Joshua there had been war. They had been fighting. They had been trying to take the promised land. Now Joshua is gone and all the rulers that served with Joshua are gone. And Israel is coming up and they don't know what war is. This reminds me today of our own country. I'm sorry, I'm not really <clears throat> Our own country today really has no idea what war is. You see, our last great war that truly affected all of us was World War II. Even Vietnam, uh, the Korean conflict, Desert Storm, all of these skirmishes across the the globe that we've been involved in, Operation Iraqi Freedom and, and the War on Terror, have not affected our country as a whole like World War I and World War II. Some of you are old enough to have been around in World War I. Sorry, World War II. <laughs> my, grandparents, my grandparents lived through a lot of that. They lived through the hard times of rationing food and, and not being able to buy uh, specific things because they were made of metal, and that metal was needed to make armor. It was needed to make military vehicles. It was needed to make ammunition. It was needed. They, they couldn't get rubber. They couldn't, there were things that they just couldn't get. And if you would walk into my grandparents' house, you would understand why their house is the way it is. We call it today hoarders. They called it being prepared. I remember growing up on the farm just outside of town, and, and my dad was not of the World War II generation, but his dad was, and his grandfather that bought that farm, and where dad was raised, And I remember going and straightening nails because dad needed to reuse the nails. He didn't want to go buy new ones. Spent hours with a rock and a hammer trying to make the nails as straight as possible so that three hits later they'd be bent over just as crooked as they were before. But our country in those times learned something. They learned how to be reliant on each other. They learned how to help their neighbor. And most importantly, they learned how to trust God. The generations after, when those men and women came home from World War II, their only goal was to not have their children suffer the way that they did. So they worked really hard. Some of them, two, three, four jobs to make sure that their children didn't have to scrimp and save. And, and because of that, unfortunately, our nation has become a nation of throwing away things. Israel has not learned this lesson. This generation did not know what it was to rely on God for every meal their parents who had entered the promised land their and grandparents had gone through the wilderness where they had to go gather manna every morning just exactly as much as they needed no more and no less exodus 16 We also can't forget that this whole scenario in Exodus 16 is not because... uh, It it is because God was trying to provide for them, but it's also because Israel didn't have the faith that they needed to have in God. They were murmuring against God for bringing them out of Egypt. But Exodus chapter 16 and verse number 1 says, And they took their journey from Elam, And all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month from their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of, of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, And when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, at even, then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt. And in the morning then ye shall then ye shall see the glory of the Lord for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord and that, what are we that ye murmur against us? And Moses said, this shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And Moses spake unto Aaron, saying unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness and beheld the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel; speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at even even the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew laid round about the host. And when the dew that was gone up, behold. Sorry. When the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather it for every man according to his eating, and omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more and some less. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, Let no man leave it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. I'm going to stop there. But it continues on through verse 30. And it details Israel's now absolute dependence on the Lord for food. You see, God loved them enough to care for them but they didn't love him enough to have faith. You notice in there that even the very first days when they were freshly told, only gather as much as you need, some gathered extra, but it didn't last. Some tried to hold it over, but it didn't stay. These are the times that we went through as a nation that during World War I and World War II when everything we had was so valuable. These are the things that God is reminding Israel of, that He's going to remind them of as He goes on and allows these nations to come in and, and prove Israel. These hardships in our country created in us, a, created a God-fearing country. I think all the way back to the Founding Fathers when when the first uh, Europeans came across and began to settle this country. That first Thanksgiving where half of the the colony had died and they had almost nothing to eat yet they sat down and they gave thanks to the Lord for giving them a place where they could worship Him. I think about the battles of Valley Forge during the Revolutionary War and and George Washington on his knees praying. Uh, there's <clears throat> stories in his journal and in journals of men that served under him of, of him being off in the woods on his knees praying for the victory and not eating for days just so that his rations could be given to the soldiers. They knew how to sacrifice. Sacrifice. God is leaving these nations in order to show Israel what it means to be at war to show them what it means to have hardship you see back in Exodus they began to murmur against God because while they sat in Egypt they had everything they wanted but they were slaves they had everything but freedom sounds a lot like our country today We have a country that our government gives us anything we want. We don't have to work. We don't have to toil. But we don't understand that now we're a slave to them. I would much rather depend on a holy and just and righteous God to provide for my life than to to depend on a corrupt and sinful government on both sides. But as we continue on, we see that again this statement that Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, in verse number 5, Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, and Amorites and Perizzites and Hivites and Jebusites. We talked about this back in chapter 1 when Israel was leaving Uh, and not conquering the land completely. They were leaving those to to pay tribute. We have to understand that the context here is that the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites were the ones in control. That it wasn't Israel leading the way towards God, it was them, the other nations, leading the way towards Baal. This is the same idea that's present in our families. Our our children uh, live in our home under our rules and learn to grow under our teaching. Our children dwell among us. There are some houses where the parents dwell among the children. But it should be that our children dwell among, among us. The main difference is that our homes should be teaching about the Lord the nations that the lord left to prove israel taught them to follow other gods this should show us just how vitally is it, how vitally important it is to monitor, monitor the outside influences that are affecting our children i said it last sunday and I, and i've i've said it before uh, no longer is the devil on the outside trying to break in the door Of Lot's house. He's on the inside chasing us around the house. It's time like never before for parents to step up and remove all the leaven from the house. But Israel quickly failed to obey God because they were influenced by the nations around them. Verse number six they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons and served their gods probably the saddest statement of all and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God and served Balaam and the groves Israel failed to obey they began to intermarry and serve the gods of the land and times of plenty and ease made Israel let their guard down Deuteronomy 7 is where we see uh, God give them the commandment initially to destroy these nations, to not intermingle with these nations. But then we get here to the book of Judges and and we see that they're doing that very thing. And then we get on down the road and we look at the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is many years after this. The temple has been destroyed, Jerusalem has been destroyed. This is after David and Solomon and all of those great kings. And we see, let's just turn to Nehemiah real quick. There's a couple of of things I want to look at. Some things that that really just stick out to me. Nehemiah chapter 1. I'm sorry, not chapter 1. but um, Nehemiah chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse number 9. Now this is Nehemiah speaking. He says, Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Sanbalet the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Amorite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then if you skip down... Skip to verse chapter number four. Chapter number four and verse number one. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria, and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Amorite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stones. Verse number seven, But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Amorites and the Ashtadites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. And on and on and on through the book of Nehemiah, we see Sambalat and Tobiah be thorns in the side. They write letters to the king Artaxerxes and try to stop everything that's going on. But turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 13. Now Nehemiah, by no stretch of the imagination, was a great leader. had a strong hand. He led Israel to do what was right. But Nehemiah thirteen in chapter number chapter thirteen and verse number four says, "In before this, Elisha the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our governor of our God, was allied unto Tobiah." It's the same man. The high priest over Israel was an ally of Tobiah. And he had prepared for him a great chamber where aforetime they laid the meat offerings, the frankincense and the vessels, and the tithes of the corn, the new wine and the oil which was commanded to be given to the Levites and the singers and the porters and the offerings of the priests. Elisha had made a spot in the temple, had cleared out where all the offerings, everything that was to go to supply the priests, to supply supply the Levites, to help them to live, he had cleared all of that out and made it a personal room for Tobiah. Tobiah, who was writing letters against Israel, who was trying to fight against Israel to keep them from rebuilding Jerusalem. And how did this happen? Verse number 6, But in all this time was not I at Jerusalem, For in the two and thirteenth year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, came I unto the king, sorry, two and thirtieth year, came I unto the king, and after certain days obtained I leave of the king. And I came to Jerusalem and understood of the evil that Elisha did for Tobiah in preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And it grieved me sore, therefore I cast forth all the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber. Then I commanded, and they cleansed the chambers, and thither brought again brought I again the vessels of the house of God with the meat offerings and the frankincense. <clears throat> and he goes on to talk about how the Levites uh, were not being given their portion, and he makes sure that they're given their portion, and he goes through and he makes sure that everyone that claims to be of Israel is truly of Israel. But skip down to verse number 28 of chapter 13. We'll, we'll start in verse 27. Shall we then hearken unto you to do all this great evil, to transgress against our God in marrying strange wives? And one of the sons of Jehoiada, the son of Elisha, the high priest, was son-in-law to Sanballat the Horonite. Therefore I chased him from me. Remember them, O my God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. Thus cleansed I from them all strangers, and I appointed the wards of the priests and the Levites, every one in his business, and for the wood offering at times appointed and for the firstfruits. Remember me, O my God, for good. One of the sons of Jehoiada The son of Elisha the high priest was son-in-law to Sanballat the Horonite. Sanballat and Tobiah are pictures of the devil. They're pictures of Satan in the book of Nehemiah. And the grandson of the priest of Israel married Satan's daughter. I've said it before and I'll say it again, we don't rise to the minority, we fall to the majority. If you don't choose to surround yourself with God and the things of God and godly people, you're going to fall to the world. And you're going to begin to live by the world's standards. Israel is at that very point. They gave their daughters to be wives, and they took daughters of the land to be wives to their sons. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now we have to understand the sight of the Lord is everywhere. This is not inferring that there's anywhere that the Lord can't see. Israel thought they were hiding, but they weren't. The Lord is omniscient and omnipresent, He knows the beginning from the end. And the things that we try to hide from God, he already knew. This phrase implies that Israel was making no attempt to hide their sin. They blatantly served the gods of the land and rejected the one true God. And they began to serve Balaam. Now, Balaam is capitalized here, which for a long time made me think that it was the name of a specific god. But as I began to study through and see all the times where Balaam is used, Balaam is a plural. Balaam is the plural form of Baal. Just like if we add S to the end of chair, we get chairs. We get multiple chairs. They add I-M to the end of Baal and they get multiple gods. Israel wasn't just serving one singular God, they were serving a plethora. They were serving everything they could find. And then we continue on. Verses twelve and through fourteen will they tell us of a few of the gods. The children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord strengthened Eglon. I'm sorry. Not, this is chapter 2, verses 12 and 14. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were found round about them, and bowed themselves unto them to provoke the Lord's anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, now, nope. Ashtaroth, <clears throat> Baal and Astaroth both are, are gods that would they would serve for the harvest. They would serve because they would want the ground to give plenty. And they would serve in certain ways, and I, I don't want to get into those ways today, but um, they were evil and wicked. But we also understand that God will not be mocked. In verse number eight, therefore, the Lord, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan-Rishathaim. God delivered Israel into the hands of an evil and wicked king to be chastened. Be sure that, like any good earthly father, a disobedient child of the heavenly father will be chastened. The old saying, "If you mess with the bull, you get the horns," comes to mind, and and that as I was growing up, my dad proved to me many times. Job 36. Job in chapter 36 gives us a little bit of an insight here. Job chapter 36 and verse number 1. This is, Elihu, one of Job's friends, speaking. And while he is using these verses to basically pistol whip Job and tell him how bad of a man he is when Job really wasn't, what he says is not false. It's absolutely true. Elihu also proceeded and said, Suffer me a little and I will show thee that I have yet to speak on God's behalf. I will fetch my knowledge from afar, and I will ascribe righteousness to my Maker. For truly my words shall not be false. He that is perfect in knowledge is with thee. Behold, God is mighty, and despiseth not any. He is mighty in strength and wisdom. He preserveth not the life of the wicked, but giveth right to the poor. He withdraweth not his eyes from the righteous, but with kings are they on the throne. Yea, he doth establish them forever, and they are exalted. And if they be bound in fetters and beholden in cords of affliction then he showeth them their work and their transgressions that they have exceeded. He openeth also their ear to discipline and commandeth that they return from iniquity. If they obey and serve him they shall spend their days in prosperity their years in pleasures. But if they obey not they shall perish by the sword and they shall die without knowledge. But the hypocrites in heart heap up wrath they cry not when He bindeth them. They die in youth, and their life is among the unclean. He delivereth the poor in His affliction, and openeth their ears in oppression. God does not stand for evil. He does not stand for a child uh, that wants to disobey. Proverbs 20 Proverbs 20 and verse number 30 says, The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil. So do stripes the inward parts of the belly. Skip down to 21 and verse number 13. Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. Go over to Proverbs twenty three and verse number thirteen. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and then and shalt deliver his soul from hell. God chastens his children. But there's an end. They were redeemed. While God's anger is just and righteous, it is also short-lived. When Israel cried out because of their punishment, God delivered them. God does not wish for His children to suffer. But unfortunately for many of us, it is that suffering that teaches us. Israel is far from learning their lesson, but God is faithful and still teaching them today. We are far from having learned our lessons, but God is still teaching us today. This is where mercy and grace come in. These, however, are a perishable resource because God is all-knowing. He knows who will learn and who won't. Some of us will have to be taught for eternity in hell. God delivered His children. He raised up Othniel. Now, we didn't get into Othniel much today, but Othniel is... Uh, From chapter 1, he's the younger brother of Caleb who uh, fought against Kirjath Sefer. And Caleb gave Aksa his daughter to be his wife because he took Kirjath Sefer. He was a strong military man, and you'll notice that nothing really is said bad against him here. Not much is said at all about Othniel, just that he delivered... uh, that the Lord delivered Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed against him. And the land had rest 40 years, and Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. So, for the 40 years, from the time that Cushan uh, Rishathaim was defeated until the time that Othniel died, the land had rest because Israel served God. Our lives have been described as a roller coaster many times uh, we have steep climbs that bring us to the highest points in our lives where we can see and we can enjoy and then we have sudden and hard drops and we have twists and turns we have times where it's nice and smooth and we have times where it's rough all of this is for our good Romans eight twenty eight, For all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to His purpose. If we don't want to have the hard times or we want to have peace during the hard times, we need to just follow God with every step.